0: Welcome back to Laravel Podcast Season 4. Today we're talking to Joseph Silber, one of the unsung heroes of the Laravel community, a core contributor and also unexpectedly a fantastic clarinetist. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Laravel podcast season four, where every single episode is about a single topic. And today our topic is about authentication and authorization. So I am happy to be joined by Joseph Silber, whose name you may not have heard before, but hopefully we're going to change that soon. Now, he did recently have an opportunity to speak about lazy collections um, on the the Laravel meetup. And so you might be asking, now, wait a minute, wasn't he the collections guy a minute ago and now he's the authorization authentication guy? Well, what he really is, is the guy that writes a whole bunch of stuff that not a lot of people except those of us who watch the commits. Come through to Laravel C. And so he has been writing Committing to Laravel for years and years, Um, and a lot of us, you know, it's what I'll even mention. Hey, I'm interviewing Joseph. Someone will say, "Uh, you know, I've I've seen that name before. Where have I seen that name before? I'm like, if you've ever looked at the 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 Laravel commit logs, that's where you've seen it before. So today we're going to be talking about um, authorization and authentication. I'm going to give just a quick high level intro to those just to differentiate them. That's it. And then I'm going to ask Joseph to introduce himself and kind of you know we're going to walk into our normal five year old topic. So really quick, authorization authentication. When we say auth. A-U-T-H, we often mean the two of these. So Joseph is going to be talking about the difference between them and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to know that when people are talking about Laravel's auth system or something else auth system, they're almost always talking about these two in tandem. It's very convenient that they both happen to start with the four letters A-U-T-H. But just remember that if someone says auth, you don't know if they mean authentication or authorization or both, so it's good to be specific. And during the span of this, this conversation, we will try to be specific about which one we're talking about. All that said aside, Joseph. Can you tell the guests a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, I mentioned all these contributions you're doing, but if you're just meeting somebody and you say, "Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I do. How do you how do you introduce yourself?"
1: Yeah, hi. It obviously <laughs> depends on
0: <laughs> depends, on, depends the on the person. Of yep.
1: It depends. Yeah. Usually, when people ask me, I just found whatever I say ends up with too much headaches. <laughs> so usually, what I say is, "I do
0: computers." Computers. Yep. So if somebody, if somebody, so can you computer- fix my printer? Yeah, exactly. So if somebody's <laughs> a computer programmer, how do you answer them if they understand what this all means?
1: So I say I'm um, usually say I'm a full stack developer okay. web developer.
0: Got it. And it's funny because I was asking you before we t- we chatted a little bit beforehand, and I said you know like should I say he's the leader of this? Where he's like ah, you know I'm just a general. I don't know what you said kind human or nice human. I like that he's a good guy. He does a lot of good stuff, and he has a lot to teach us. And one of the reasons he's here for this one is he has among his many contributions have been a lot of the stuff related to author- authorization and authentication. So let's just jump right into that. Um, so we're going to take each of them separately. If you were to describe authentication as it exists in a full-step, a full-step application like Laravel to a five-year-old, what's the simplest possible way to describe what authentication is and what it does? So I would say authentication
1: is about knowing whom you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Somebody knocks at the door, you ask who's there. You don't just yeah. let anyone in. You don't just open the door. Yeah. Aunt Sally is there. So either you recognize Aunt Sally because you know her name right, or because you recognize her voice or because you're looking through the people and you recognize your face. Those are biometric. That's a very adult word, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's biometric authentication. Or if you have a tree house and somebody wants to come up mm-hmm. and you ask them, hey, what's the passphrase? And they have to say a magic word. All of these are authentication. You're trying to authenticate to make sure that the person is who they say they are.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. And that's good for a five-year-old too. Nice work. I think so. (laughs) So let's talk about for authorization. What's authorization for a five-year-old?
1: So now, once you already know uh, whom you're talking to, you have to know what can they do. Mm -hmm. So if it's just a stranger that you don't really know, I mean, you know who they are, they live a couple blocks down, you're probably not going to let them into the house. Right. If it's the mailman, you might let them into the house. They drop their package and they leave, but you're not going to let them into the house proper. Then right. maybe if it's Aunt Sally, she can come in and she can come to the kitchen, but maybe not into Dad's office. Right. So everybody gets a different set of authorization, what they are allowed to do, even after we know who they are.
0: Also perfect for a five-year-old because children perfectly understand that there's certain things that some people can do. Well, they at least purportedly understand those (laughs) things. I don't know if they actually truly understand it. Um, I love that. I love that very much. So, if we were to talk about what authentication and authorization look like in Laravel specifically, you know, there are some built-in systems for some of these things, and some sometimes when we reach for external systems, what is the basics of like what it looks like to do authentication for starters in Laravel? Where would we be seeing this? And you know, is it something we always have or we only have in certain contexts. So what does is, what is authentication in Laravel look like? So before we get into the
1: actual technologies that power yeah. it, uh, it's just whenever you see a login form and mm-hmm. you're typing in your username and your password, that is authentication. Yep. That's the most basic form of it. Yep. Now, how it works under the hood, we can talk about many, many different ways. There's sessions, cookies, basic auth, JWT, Oauth, we can go through the whole plethora of ways of how you can do that. But Using a username and password to log in, that is where it all starts. Yep. Now, the basic uh, authorization, authentication in Laravel works with cookies. Mm-hmm. And the way that works is that when you log in and you give it a username and password, Laravel is going to look up that username and password mm-hmm. in the database. If it finds that username and password, it's going to know who you are. Once it knows who you are, it stores that information in what's called a session. A session is a way of knowing when subsequent requests come into the system and you want to know each request, who made that request. Right. The way to connect multiple requests to one another is through the session. Mm -hmm. Because generally speaking, HTTP is what's called stateless. So you make an HTTP request and when the HTTP request comes into the server, the server doesn't know about previous requests. Yep. The way for the server to tie several requests together is through something called a session. Mm -hmm. And the way session works is through cookies. Mm -hmm. Cookies are a tiny piece of data that when you make first make a request to the server, the server sends back that tiny piece of information. It's like it's like s- sort of a token, mm-hmm. and the browser stores that token. Any subsequent requests that the s- browser later makes to the server, it always sends along that same cookie, that same token. So Laravel, being the server that receives those requests, can take that cookie, that tiny token, and look it up in what's called a session. So Laravel sessions, by default, are stored on the file system, but you can also store them in the database. You can store them in Redis and Memcache are many different drivers. But by Mm -hmm. default, you really don't have to worry about it. You just, it's plug and play. This is all what happens behind the scenes. So when you log in, once Laravel identified who you are by looking up your username and password in the database and pulling out the user record, it's going to store in the session who you are so that all subsequent requests, it's already going to know who you are. You're not going to have to re-authenticate every time.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um. So, primary mode of doing authentication is going to be that username and that password, and then it's going to be stored in a session. What are the next one or two most common ways where people authenticate into Laravel apps, not through username and passwords? So, a big one would be probably
1: token auth. Mm-hmm. Token auth is usually used for either mobile apps or mm-hmm. third-party systems that have to connect to your app somehow. And they just get a token, and that token is sent every time you make a request. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting, in a way, you're also sending a token with cookies, but the cookie is the token that's being right. sent. But you're already logged in with uh, with token authentication. The every request includes a token, usually in a header. Yeah. But every request is separately authenticated. That's mm-hmm. another one.
0: Yep. And so it's more true, truly stateless at that point because each yeah, time correct. it has to say, "Here's who I am" and prove it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so things like, uh, you know, Passport and any other tools that are allowing us to integrate, you know, flows for generating and sharing and authenticating tokens, those are all additionally authentication, but they're not core and they're not primary. And like you said, the primary authentication is username, password, and then you're logged in until you log out. Correct. So so let's talk about authorization. What opportunities and spaces for authorization are there that are built in the Laravel?
1: So authorization, again, you can think of it, as, let's just think about blog posts because that's the <laughs> canonical <Yep. laughs> example that everybody uses. Uh, if you want to create a new blog post, uh, you need authorization to do that. If you want to delete a blog post, you need authorization to do that. Any action you want to take in the in the system, either doing something or reading something, viewing something, you always need to be authorized to to perform that action.
2: Right? So, yeah,
1: that's the that's the idea. Yeah. So, the way it works in Laravel is Laravel has something called a gate. And the gate, you can think of the gate as a literal gate. Yeah. Which, like I said I before, love dad's office. I'm sure dad's office has a door. Right. And that door is usually closed. Yep. And if you want to go into dad's office, mm-hmm. you need to be authorized to open that door and go in. Mm-hmm. So, Laravel's gate, from a high-level perspective at least, is just a series of actions that you either can or cannot do. And you can ask the gate whether you're allowed to do that or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I love the idea because it's basically so when, with the gate in Laravel, you're defining those set of rules. And then later you're asking the gate, you know, whether you can go through. So I'm imagining, you know, like uh, mom's office and dad's office both have, uh, you know, a gate in front of them and each of them can have the rules defined differently. And so, you know, mom's office says, you know, can mom enter? at this, this office and the dad's office says, can dad enter this office, right? And each of those can have those rules defined differently. And at any point you can ask the gate by mom or Sally or whoever else pressing on the gate and w- seeing whether or not it opens. And the, the, the open is the Boolean, right? Like yes, can, or no, cannot. And everything else is really kind of, bi- basically everything in Laravel's, if you're using Laravel Core, you're either saying, here's a gate rule or here's a tool to allow you to ask the gate, can this person do that thing, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What a, Riffing on that original yeah. example. Great. <laughs> yeah. And what a wonderfully simple way of thinking about something that can often feel overwhelming. I really appreciate that because um, often people, when they're thinking they're approaching the layer of authorization, it can feel overwhelming. And it really is a gate colon colon something. And it's basically you're saying allow this given this or a def- a de- a deny this given that. And then later you're asking can in so many different contexts user arrow can or using the at can thing and blade there's all these different spaces that are just allowing you to ask the gate can this happen given this context that's it and that's the super simple now because of the way it's built in laravel um there's so we've got username and login which is very 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 common username and password logs you in all kind of stuff and then the second one is the acl system can you explain what acl means sorry i should shouldn't shouldn't drop that acronym
1: Uh, I know what it means. I'm trying to, it's access control or something. Yeah, it's access control. And
0: sometimes people say layer and sometimes people say list. I don't even know which is the correct one. Yeah, but ACL in general just means what we just described, right? you know, mom's gate and dad's gate. It's the it's that gate, it's that definition of who can do it or not, and then the ability to ask the question of can this person or can this entity do this something or not. Um, so you've got, with Laravel, you've got the built-in auth, um, you've got that built-in um, ACL, but with that one thing, and you know, of course, I'm definitely asking this because it's you, but one thing I think is most common in the authorization space that is not included out of the gate um, is roles. So I want to talk a little bit about how roles play into authorization and just, I think this is a perfect time to introduce your package, Bouncer. Um, what In what way, if somebody understands the basic ideas that authorization is asking the question of, can I do this or can I not do that? How do roles play a role <laughs> in that general concept? And knowing that roles aren't supported in Laravel by default, could you tell us a little bit about Bouncer?
1: Yeah. So roles in general is the easiest way to think about roles is to group a bunch of people or users together mm-hmm. and give the whole set a list of abilities at once. Yep. That's basically all it is. Yeah like in every back to our blog yeah if you're an editor then you could probably edit posts or you can create new posts if you're just a subscriber then you can view posts but you can't edit posts Yep. so we don't want to have to give these abilities individually to each user exactly we want to be able to group a bunch of users together under one common name which we're going to call a role and then Mm -hmm. give abilities to those roles
0: yep i love it because One of the benefits of roles is not only that you're not having to duplicate the assignments of those things, but you're also now not having to duplicate the updating of those things. Because if a role gets a new uh, ability later, you can apply it to the role and then it's instantly applied to all the people under it. So and yeah, it's any- like the epitome
1: of dry. Don't repeat yourself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting because don't repeat yourself often gets overused by like, don't repeat your code. But the best thing about dry about don't repeat yourself is don't repeat the logic, you know, don't repeat the knowledge. And that's exactly what you're doing there. You're not repeating the knowledge by the 50 people who are a blog manager. And then now you have to change 50 people's um, permissions. You, you assign those 50 people the blog manager role, and then you can change its permissions once. And in the, you know, in the, in the family's house, there might be a role for parents and there might be a role for the person who actually works in this particular office day to day and there might be a role for immediate family members and a role for distant family members or stuff like that you know so there are all these things you can imagine in both those contexts where you know for some reason these people all naturally inherit the same set of uh, abilities, even if we don't know what the final set of responsibilities will be. But we know that they all kind of have the same reason for having access to something. So
1: yeah, it's not not only the more work, it's if you do it individually, you might forget something. Exactly. If you're going to do ability based on each kid and you forget to restrict one kid from the cookie jar, then that cookie jar is going to be empty. Yep. <laughs> that kid's going to be sick on the floor.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. I love that. So so roles do not exist out of the box. And I've seen a lot of role-based systems that... Um, try to reinvent everything from scratch. Like there's a lot of external authorization systems and authentication systems that you can use in Laravel that used to be a lot popular, more popular than they are today, which makes me very glad because I don't think they're necessary. Um, But one of the things I love about um, Bouncer is that it works with the native authorization system that's built in Laravel. So could you tell us a little bit about what it's like to use Bouncer to add roles to a Laravel application? Uh,
1: Yes, I guess bouncer is not just about roles it's also about permissions and maybe we should start first by talking about how uh, laravel's built in acl works and yeah, how you use it So bouncer's built in acl works by defining abilities on the gate that's the simplest way L- so laravel's we do gate Yeah sorry yeah. yes that laravel's was- built in gate works that way so you, ha- you you write gate colon colon define Mm-hmm. You pass it a name of an ability. So let's say a string, just a random string, anything that you use to identify some sort of action, for example, edit settings. Mm-hmm. Then you pass it a function, and that function takes one parameter, the user, mm-hmm. and you return a Boolean from in that from within that function. Yep. So edit settings, and then you have to figure out whether the user can edit settings or not. So the most primitive way would be, let's say you're the developer and you're the sole person who is allowed to change settings and you just happen to know that uh, your user ID is one. So within that callback, you could just do return user arrow ID equals equals one. That's gonna return true for you, false for anyone else. So you're gonna be the only one that can edit settings. That is the most crude way to do it. Mm -hmm. So now once you have this definition, then you can query the gate and ask the gate who can do that. So the gate is connected to the session and to the authentication. So gate always the gate always knows who is currently signed in. Yep. So at any point throughout your app, you can do gate, colon, colon, can, mm-hmm. and you pass it that string. So for example, you're gonna do gate, can, and a string, edit settings. Yep. Behind the scenes, the gate is gonna call that function that you had registered for that key, and it's gonna return you a Boolean, whether you can or cannot do that given action. Again, that's the most basic form of it. Now, obviously, there are many different ways to do it, and you can either check it directly, or you could use uh, Blade directives. If you want to check within Blade if you could do something, you do at can, Mm -hmm. and that at can, and you pass it in that string, edit settings, and then let's say you have your navigation. You don't even want to show the settings navigation for somebody who can't edit the settings. Yep. Then then you're just going to do at can, edit settings, put all the HTML in there, and then Mm -hmm. end it, Yep. And that way, that whole section is only going to be rendered to whoever can edit settings. Yep. Now, later on, as your app grows, and you actually have more people that can <laughs> edit settings, hopefully, yeah. you have to find a, a better way to handle that. Mm-hmm. So instead of returning directly equals equals one, maybe mm-hmm. like the next step up the crudeness ladder would be to maybe have an you add a column to each user, and the column on the user table that says... Can edit settings. Right. Now, within now, every user model is going to have a property called can edit settings. And Mm -hmm. from within that closure that you pass to the gate that Mm -hmm. checks if you can edit settings, you're just going to return user arrow can edit settings. Right. So again, it's still pretty crude, but that's the next level up. Now you made it more dynamic. You can have more people that can edit settings and you Mm -hmm. can actually change that. You can imagine a dashboard that has a UI where you can actually toggle this on and off on each user. Yeah. Make sense so far? Yep. Yeah. So that's a gate. And that's gate definitions, which are just simple keys that you can check. The next yep. step to on top of that is what Laravel calls model, model policies. Mm-hmm. So a policy is a way to group uh, abilities for a given model. So we said mm-hmm. before that you can do a gate and the gate can get a single key. And that key, edit settings. The edit settings is not connected to anything. Mm -hmm. Back to our blog, let's say we have a model called blog, a class blog. That's our model. We have a database. uh, And in the database, we have a table that's called blogs. And now you want to know on each individual blog whether the user can edit that blog. Right. Now, maybe it depends on whether the user created it. Maybe if you created a blog, you can update it. Right. So obviously, you can still do that with uh, just closure callbacks on the gate, but that gets very hairy, and yep. the more you sort you of have like a
0: namespacing, right? Like edit blog, add blog, delete blog, and there's just those ungrouped strings, right? It feels kind of yeah. gross.
1: Yeah. So in order to simplify this whole thing, uh, Laravel has an idea called a policy. A policy is a simple class. Uh, you can generate it through Audison. I think it's Audison make policy. Mm -hmm. And you generate a policy. Let's say you have a user policy. And on the user policy, you can have multiple uh, methods, each method corresponding to a different ability that you want to allow or disallow on Mm -hmm. any given model. So for example, on the policy class, you can have an update method. The update method takes a user Mm -hmm. and then it takes an actual instance of a post, of a blog post. Now you can call gate colon, colon, can. And let's say, hey, you're just going to pass in a string update. You're yep. not going to say, like we said before, edit settings. It's just mm-hmm. going to be generic update. yep And then you pass it as the second argument. You're going to pass it the actual blog post. Yep. So, you again, it's gate, colon, colon, open parentheses, and you pass a string update. No, gate, colon, yeah. colon, can. Can, yep. Yeah, <laughs> can, yep. open parentheses, you pass it in a string update, and mm-hmm. then you pass it in a second argument, which is going to be the actual post instance. Yeah. And that is going to call the user, the post policies update method. It's going to pass it the current user. Yep. It's going to pass it the post, the actual post. So now yep. imagine it, like we said, uh, let's say you only want to allow the original author of a given blog post to be able yep. to, to, to edit it. So within that method, the update method, you can return user arrow ID mm-hmm. equals equals post arrow user ID or creator ID or whatever. Author ID or whatever you call it, yeah. Yeah, whatever you call it. yeah. So that is not the next level. That That is like up to where uh, Laravel works. Laravel mm-hmm. lets you do these dynamic things. But again, if you start doing more and more of these and you wanna have many, many more abilities and you wanna store them probably in the database because mm-hmm. you want it to be dynamic, you want to have a dashboard maybe where you allow your admins to give rights to certain people, mm-hmm. either to certain users directly or to groups of roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laravel doesn't really have built-in support for that. Laravel's abilities and policies are static; they're hard-coded within the code. There's no way to change them at runtime. Right. So that's what uh, a package like Bouncer is trying to achieve: that mm-hmm. you should have a way through the UI of your application to add and remove roles, or add and remove abilities from roles and from users.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And um, I so. I actually have only ever interacted with the roles aspect of it. Does it come up with its own pivot structure on its own already um, for all this stuff?
1: Yes, it comes with its own migrations. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So so if you've ever find yourself in a context where, uh, just as Joseph was just describing, you were building those closures and realizing, you know what? I need to be able to define all these things. What's the best database structure? And, oh, I allowed this person to be assigned a single role by adding a role underscore ID to the user and then a roles table or something like that. But then you realized you also wanted to be able to do roles, but then the client also wanted you to say, well, yeah, but that role plus this one ability. Or maybe all of a sudden they have to have multiple roles or something like that, right? So you can do those things in Laravel. It's not as if Laravel doesn't support you doing it, but it's not defined how to do those things. So Laravel takes you up to one point, and then you have to make that structure up. And so what Bouncer does is it, it has an opinion of how to do that structure and a whole bunch of tooling built around it. So you don't have to reinvent that kind of second half of it every time. Is that like a good way of describing it?
1: Yes. Well, okay. crucially, like you said before, you mentioned it before in passing, but I just want to be clear about that. Many of the ACL uh, libraries out there are completely standalone. Yep. And once you use them, they're not fully integrated within Laravel. Yep. Uh, there are a few packages, and Bouncer is one of them that fully, fully integrates within a Laravel. Yeah. So when you use Bouncer, you're only interacting with Bouncer when you grant abilities, or when you remove abilities, or roles, etc. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna. This is not a tutorial for Bouncer. Yeah, yeah. But once you get everything into Bouncer, Bouncer takes care of everything from that point forward. Whenever you want to check abilities, or you want to yeah. authorize routes or resources, anything you do from that point forward, you do the standard way yeah. for, with Laravel because. The way Bouncer works is it hooks into Laravel's own gate Mm -hmm. and everything you register in the database ends up being registered at runtime within Laravel's gate. So whatever you check at the gate is actually going to be checked through Bouncer. So there's nothing left for you to do.
0: Does it do a single query um, when each kind of request loads that loads all the information needed for the current user to figure so that it can gate can answer it?
1: Yeah so it has it has multiple modes that you can set depending on what you need. So by default what it does is as soon as you make a request for any sort of authorization for a single a single authorization request for one for for a user it's going to create the database for all of their abilities mm-hmm. hold all of their abilities in memory because most likely, subsequent are gonna checks are going to be user, for that yeah. same user, yes. Yep. So, it keep, But some sometimes people have like hundreds or thousands or even literally tens of thousands uh, of abilities. Yeah. Then it doesn't make that much sense. So it has a mode where you can set it so that it only pulls a single ability at a time.
0: Got it. I love it. Um, we could obviously do a whole podcast on Bouncer, but I wanted to make sure because I think that the number of times that folks have come to me not understanding what's possible within Laravel and also not understanding the best way to go about moving past what Laravel offers by default is it's just crazy and it's it's crazy also in part because so first i think it's because many of the large auth systems are adaptations of ideologies or actually code that existed before Laravel had full ACL and so like i we're working with a client right now that has one of the m- larger and most out-of-date um, Laravel authentication libraries built in—that was the biggest library, but now it's you know it's not hooked into Laravel core like you're saying, and so now they're forced to be kind of really separate from the Laravel way of doing things in a lot of ways. And and so for me, I'm always saying I want to keep it as close to the core as possible. And most of the time, when somebody's using an external package, I'm like, Are you sure you really need that package? But this is a circumstance where you do. But come on, use the lightest package you can that hooks in. So anyway, that's one of the reasons why I'm super grateful for. Uh, for bouncer. But okay, so let's let's move on a little bit. We've talked a little bit about what authentication is and authorization, and I'm sure more of it will come up. But usually the next kind of point I come to at this point is when's the last time you use this system? Well, okay, it's obvious the last time you use the authentication system, but can you and you gave a couple examples of authorization? You know, you're doing something like a user can update the settings or anything like that. Are there any kind of examples of when you or you've seen other people use authorization systems where it might be something that people wouldn't have thought of to use an authorization? I know I did prep you for this question, but I just want to see if you. Have any? Is there anything that you kind of feel like people who aren't super familiar with authorization it might help their brains to think about? Or is it more kind of like once you get it, you get it?
1: I mean, it's important for people to understand that these two concepts of authorization. There's authorization that is connected to a section of your app, like mm-hmm. you said, settings or a dashboard or some sort, of, and then there's authorization for individual specific entities within your application. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, you can have very broad abilities or very very narrow abilities depending on what you need. Sometimes yeah. people. People learn one way, and they think that either, I, uh-huh. like the, the default documentation. When you read uh, Laravel's documentation, it says edit settings. That is, I think that's something like that, or access yep. dashboard. That is something a global. That, yeah, something yeah. global. So people think that that's what uh, uh, authorization is all about, and they don't yeah. realize that you could get really granular depending on what you need.
0: Yeah, I like that, and. um One note to everybody, one of the cool things about having a global system like this that has the level of fine-grained nuance that it does, you can see an example of what it's like to do authorization and use Hook and Laravel's authorization really well if you use Laravel Nova. And I'm not saying you have to use Nova, but Nova has a pattern that is fascinating where the user interface changes in so many ways so significantly based on minor nuances of the policies and so for example in nova if you have given permission for an individual user to i think they call it c resources something like that it's like an extra policy item that defines whether or not that resource will even show up in their navbar. but then once you get into that entry of the nav bar let's say the blog post section you also can now define whether every single given entry on there will even show up at all with like view you can define whether or not they're capable of seeing a list of them you can also on an individual and you can define whether they can edit it or delete it and Nova reads those permissions and defines whether or not there's an edit button and defines whether or not there's a delete button and when you click on it to view it you know are there some of the more advanced tools there or are you just seeing a really rudimentary version of it um, and so that's I think the most interesting thing for me there is that there's a pattern for us all to consider which is we can build additional tooling and user interface and stuff like that on top of this really rudimentary question of can cannot using that idea that you were saying where you've got those blade templates that are just inline saying should this person even see a delete button for this individual blog post. It doesn't Sometimes it's going to be the whole page, but sometimes it's going to be just one blog post. So I really appreciate you bringing that up.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a very good example. And the way to do it is really smart because you don't have separate permissions to edit and a separate permission to show the edit button. Mm-hmm. They automatically exactly. figure it out based on the permissions you have. If you are allowed to edit it, only then do they show you the edit
0: button. Yeah, and just like yeah. you were saying with the nav for the edit settings. And so, yes. yeah, definitely see that for an inspiration. Um, so one of the questions I love to ask folks in these ones is, when is what are some times where either this system has tripped you up or what are some common challenges that you see people running into when it comes to authentication and authorization?
1: So this is really, I mean, authentication, probably every app has authentication at some point and it encompasses a very huge part of every app. Mm -hmm. So depending on how big your app is and what you're doing, for example, one of the things that people used to struggle with a lot is people that have both an SPA, SPA stands for a single page application. Mm -hmm. So people build single page applications that talk to their backend and the easiest way to get started is probably with cookie-based authentication, like we said before. Mm-hmm. So, but then they want to build an API, and APIs are stateless, yep. and they have a let's say a mobile app that wants to talk to the API, and now the API usually use works with token-based authentication, yeah. and they want to use both in their app, and it gets quite tricky. Yeah. So this used to be very tricky, I should say, because because yes. it <laughs> now it's not. Yeah, because there's now a, there's now a core package uh, maintained by the Laravel core call team called Sanctum. Uh, it used to be called cool. what was it called?
2: Airlock. They changed I think? it.
1: Airlock. Yeah. yeah. And then there was some sort of trademark issue with some yeah. Swiss company and they had to yep. change it to Sanctum. It happens. Yeah. So Sanctum is a first body package that you can install that seamlessly makes both uh, cookie based authentication and token based authentication work within the same app. Yep. So if that is something you've been struggling with, uh look up Sanctum, that's gonna help you.
0: Yeah. And for for clarity, that's most going to be helpful when you're accessing the same routes from both. Whereas if you had a a normal web app that's accessible by cookie-based authentication and then an entirely separate API that's only accessed by the API, it's no big deal. But if you've got JavaScript components that are, Authenticating themselves based on your 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 cookie that also need to hit route those routes. That's when you start kind of getting into those questions. And when it you know there's not a default way in a lot of non Laravel spaces to even think about how to do that. And I remember definitely yeah. like Adam asking people on his podcast like, so how do you actually handle this sort of authentication? And people are like, ah. So yeah, Sanctum is brilliant and beautiful for us.
1: Yeah. So just to be clear, you write that this this whole issue only arises if you're using the exact same routes for both. But let's Mm -hmm. just be clear what you would do if you're using separate routes. Mm -hmm. So we haven't even touched really about how authentication works. Maybe we Mm -hmm. should go back to Yeah, probably, yeah. So back to our simple cookie-based authentication. So what happens is you put in a username and password, and I guess at some point you registered yeah. uh, as a user. In theory, yeah. So yeah, in theory, <laughs> we're gonna get back to that soon. <laughs> so you registered as a user, and now your username and password are stored in the database. Obviously, mm-hmm. your password is hashed. Mm-hmm. Should we get into that?
0: Uh, yeah, Joel, just real quick, what kind of hashing is it, and why? How how do I know that you're not just storing my, you know, password in or why shouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, why yeah, shouldn't so, you? There's that too. <laughs> I yeah. I guess you could start there.
1: Yes. So the, the very first thing I could say about authentication is never try to hand roll it. People try to write oh, their yeah. own thing. Mm-hmm. There are too many gotchas and too many security issues that can arise. Yep. Laravel has been around for years. It's been battle tested. I yep. mean, Laravel actually has had some minor security issues and they're patched right away yep. and the whole community is notified about it so Larval is really on top of that game when it comes to security. Never yeah. ever attempt to write your own authentication. Amen, amen, amen. Unless amen. you're Facebook or Google. Yeah. <laughs> so hashing, the idea of hashing is that you never want to store people's passwords directly in your database as plain text and mm-hmm. the reason for that is that uh, unfortunately people reuse their passwords mm-hmm. everywhere so mm-hmm. if you have a little thing that you don't really care much about and you're not really securing your server that much, uh, people are going to use their password that they use for their bank account and mm-hmm. they're going to use that on your app. Yep. If if one day your app is hacked yep, and uh, people get access to your database, they're going to have a whole slew of usernames and passwords that they can just try and all run. They're going to go to Facebook, they're going to go to Google, they're going to go to Chase, yep. to TD, to any anywhere they can go yep. and they're going to try to log in. So that is why you never ever want to store your user's passwords in your database. Yep. However, if you don't store their password, how do you know later on when they're logging in, how can you identify them? Yeah. So the answer to that is hashing. And hashing is um, some sort of mathematical algorithm where you can take a piece of text and you run it through the algorithm, and Mm -hmm. what you get out the other end is a whole bunch of gibberish that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. The only guarantee you have about that gibberish is every time you run through a piece of text through that hashing algorithm, you're gonna get the exact same gibberish. Yep. Crucially, there is no way to get back from yep. that gibberish to the original text. So yep. if somebody hacks your database and they find j- that gibberish in your database, there's no way for them to find the original password. Right. So hashing means when you register and you create a new password, Laravel is gonna run that password through a hashing algorithm and it's gonna store that hash in the database. Mm-hmm. Then when you try to log in and you log in with a password, you're obviously writing your password in plain text. Right. But when Laravel tries to log you in, it's going to take that password, run it through the hashing algorithm again, yep. and then it's going to check whether that hash matches what's in the database. Yeah. It gets more complicated with salt and actually pepper. <laughs> uh, Laravel doesn't use pepper. I was going to say, I don't uh, even know
0: about pepper. Sheesh.
1: <laughs> so just in short, salt is a, another piece of text that is added onto the uh, onto the hash, and yep. pepper is... Uh, token that you can keep in your app.
0: Oh. Do we want to get into that? No, let's but let's talk about salt real quick. Because salt, so there is a salt that's used in hashing, which is the no I always forget which the app key isn't isn't used for. So much that I the app
1: key is only used for encryption. For encryption. Yeah. So So go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So one of the problems with uh with hash, the hashing doesn't solve is called is what's called a rainbow attack. Mm-hmm. And a rainbow attack means that if somebody gets access to your database and they have a list of usernames and passwords, now even if the passwords are hashed, they have an easy way to get back to the original password. And the reason for that is because people aren't careful. And the same type of people that use their password for the bank account and for your app are the yep. type of people that use a password one, two, three, four.
2: Yeah.
1: So. What these hackers have learned many years ago, I mean, the industry has moved on from that, but what they've yeah. learned many years ago is that they can compile a rainbow table, which basically takes all the common passwords and hashes them. So you yeah. take, let's say one, two, three, four is a common password. You take one, two, three, four, you pass it through the hashing algorithm. Yeah. And now you have a string that if you ever find this string in a hacked database, you know that they had that, that password originally. That password. And then you can try that password in the bank. Yep. And it's, you can have a, you can find the top million passwords, store them in a rainbow table, and it's very yeah. easy to look them up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so to mitigate that, uh, Laravel uses something called a salt. Mm-hmm. is just a random piece of, uh, a random string of numbers or mm-hmm. characters that is added onto your plain text password. So let's yeah. say your plain text password was one two three four. Please don't. But yeah. if it were, <laughs> now. Laravel is going to generate a complex uh, piece of uh, random text. Let's say, I'm just looking at my keyboard, let's say P-O-I. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's going to be more complex than that. But let's say it says it does P-O-I, and then it has a dollar sign, not that it matters, but it's going yeah. to do P-O-I on one side, and then one, two, three, four on the other side, yep. and hash it. Now it's going to take the resulting hash, and it's going to add on to the resulting hash of gibberish. It's going to add on to the beginning of that gibberish, that poi that we said the salt, mm-hmm. so that there's a key that is both available that is both available in the resulting hash. Oh, interesting. Value, and it is fed into the original oh. uh, text. That's how it now- works. Now, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it's different for each one, right? It's different for each one, but yeah. it's stored within the database. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, if when it's in the database, you, you can get that first part, which mm-hmm. is the salt. Yeah. So that's why everything you can't before that
0: the dollar g- sign, basically.
1: Yes. Yeah. So even with hashing, there, there's no. Once you hash a, a, a password with salt, there's no way to look it up in the database. So mm-hmm. Laravel can't query the database. Uh, tell me, give, find me a user with this username and this password. There's no yeah. way to do that. Yeah. It has to find the user by username. Once it has it, it can look key. at the hash, yeah. take out the salt key. Yeah. Concatenate the salt key together with the plain text hash,
0: uh-huh. run hash it through it. the
1: hashing algorithm, yeah. and then compare it. And, and That's,
0: you, what you meant was, uh, and I know that you got this, but I want to make sure the people here, what he meant was concatenate that key with the plain text password and then hash that and then compare yes. it against the. Yeah. Yes. Totally.
1: That is salt. Pepper, if you want to talk about it, Larval doesn't use pepper. But pepper is when, in addition to all this, you also have a secret key. Like if you would be using the app key on top of that, so that mm-hmm. if somebody ha- hacks your, pass, uh, your database but doesn't have access to your actual application, then that that gives it another layer of okay. security. But that that's really rare, and that also means that if you ever lose your yeah. your app key, then all of your users' accounts or if you are ever have out. to re-
0: reset your app key, then that's
2: why Laravel doesn't use it.
1: Yeah. And if you're about, yeah. curious
0: about this whole thing, I remember that I got confused about this so often about what app key was and wasn't used for that I had um, some folks at Titan, I think primarily Jake Bachman, write an article called App Key and You or something. I'll link it in the show notes. So, but but what Joseph said is definitely true, which is that if you're thinking about cycling your app key, the number one thing that you need to think about is encrypted and decrypted, you know, well encrypted data in the database basically, which is not this encrypted and hashed are not the same thing. So, um, but a, a question about that: so why would we use all this fancy stuff? Why don't we just use MD five?
1: Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> for the
0: old heads in the audience,
1: well, maybe hashing is MD5. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't mentioned that. Yeah. So MD5 is, is way too fast. So yeah. y- you want to find you the, what you want with a, with a hashing algorithm is two things. Number one, you want it to be uni- uh, single directional. You mm-hmm. want it to only be able to go from the plain text to the, to the hash. Yep. The, and not from the hash back to the plain text. That is one thing. Yep. And the other thing is, you want it to take a while. Yeah. And that is a little Which is crazy. It takes yeah, yeah, it takes
0: a while to get that. So explain that if you do mind.
1: So everything we do in computers, we're trying to make them faster and faster and faster, with the exception of hashing. Yeah. And the reason for that is because if you actually do want to, if somebody hacked into your database and they found the list of usernames and passwords, even though they have no way of going backwards from the hash to the plain text password... Mm-hmm. They can still cycle through all the passwords in the world and try to create that hash and see if it matches. So mm-hmm. they could do, let's say, in our example before, we had a salt of POI. Mm-hmm. The salt is readily available. That's part of the resulting hash that is stored in the database. Yeah. So they could do POI, add on a dollar sign, mm-hmm. then add... Any password, let's say, oh, oh, P A S S W O R D. That's a very popular password. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. So they do that and they run it through the hashing algorithm and they see if it matches the hash. If it doesn't, they move on to the next one. So instead of a rainbow attack, what they're going to do is they're actually going to spin through all of the popular uh, passwords with this particular salt. Yeah. So they can't look it up in a general. Yeah. Yeah. So. And computers are very cheap these days and yeah. cloud computing is very cheap and NVIDIA will sell you a graphics card that could do millions of these yeah. in seconds. Yeah. So what you want to do is you actually want to make the hashing algorithm you use, you want to make it as long as, as hard as possible and take as long as possible without actually affecting your user experience. Yeah. So you want it to be long enough so that a single... You want to be short enough so that a single hashing algorithm when you log in and you only yeah. have to hash a single one should be fast enough. Yeah. But if you want to hash a bunch of them, it should take you a good couple of years. Yeah. So that is what we're doing. And Laravel gives us all of this for yeah. free. Without you, yeah. you don't even have to know all
0: this. We're just sharing yeah. this with you. But. Yeah. And if you do want to super nerd out about this, uh, Laravel uses a, a method called bcrypt and you can learn a whole ton more about that. But something that was added recently, which is really cool, and I don't know if you were involved in this, is the ability to define how many rounds it's using, and basically that's just how long it's going to take to run every time. And so there's an environment variable, and again, I'll link to it in the show notes, that basically allows you to define that. It's, it's default to 10, but if you're worried saying, oh, well, what if ours isn't secure enough, or what if this these passwords need to last for the next 10 years and processes are going to get a lot faster, you can always amp it up if you want. So
1: Yeah, but unless you're a bank, you
0: probably shouldn't worry about it. Exactly. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, but just for those people, you know, you bankers or future bankers. I love that. That is so helpful. Um, Just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not after me. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, Oh, so before we move on to just kind of like what's, you know, other topics, things of topic, are there any other common challenges or gotchas that you think that make people get stuck on learning authentication or authorization?
1: Okay, so first off, which is very important that you had started this podcast with, is never to confuse authentication Mm -hmm. with authorization. Mm -hmm. And just to confuse people the http spec i don't know if they set out to confuse people but the http response for unauthenticated users is 401 <laughs> yeah the http authorized. response for unauthorized is mm-hmm. 403 mm-hmm. but the names for these responses for these http status codes are confusing because yeah. 401 is 401 unauthorized yeah. even though it is a response for unauthenticated mm-hmm. and 403 is forbidden which actually does make sense yeah yeah but 401 unauthorized means you're not authenticated.
0: <laughs> yep. Which it's funny because if you're not authenticated, you're sort of not authorized because you're assuming that you're hitting a route that has you know, authorization requiring you to be at least authenticated, which is interesting because an authorization, and sorry, just to go on a nerd tangent, authorization could include directives around what guests can do. So in theory, you could be unauthenticated and still- That was pass. added to Laravel recently. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, but you, level like it's,
1: six or seven added the ability to 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 define policies for
0: guests. Love it, and it's Sorry. And, yeah, and what I love it. Thank you for bringing that up. But even even if it hadn't, the idea it's just important to know that like an unauthenticated user, aka a guest, can be authorized or not authorized to do certain things. And so authorization is actually impacted by um, authentication, but it's not entirely dependent on authentication. Now, if you have no authentication at all, of course, how are you going to differentiate between one person and the other? Now, theoretically, you could do it based on other crazy things like their IP address, whatever. But in general, authorization is primarily about guests versus users and then, most importantly, it's about users versus other users based on other factors. But I think it's helpful to, to like, your your example of the 401. In theory, a 401 saying you're not authorized could make sense, but what they really meant was you're you're not authenticated. So
1: Yeah, it's important for the like, th- these are conventions that are used throughout the industry. And if you mm-hmm. stick with the conventions, it's going to be so much easier. For example, Amen. if you have a front-end. <laughs> yeah, sorry. If you, ha- if you have an SPA, uh, you have a, your front-end is talking to the back, and then you get back a three, then what are you going to do? you're just not, not not authorized to do it. If you get back a 401, chances are you're going to show up a nice modal and ask the user to log in again. again. So you want yeah. to stick to these. Yep. And again, Laravel just makes it so easy. Whatever you do, yeah. they're going to return the correct response for you. Yep. Uh, by the way, sometimes when something isn't authorized, people actually return a 404.
2: Yep. And that is oh. because you don't want
1: to leak uh, mm-hmm. that something that that exists. exists. For example, yep. if you go to GitHub, if you go to GitHub, you have a private repository, and you're not logged in. You go to that repository page; they're going to give you up, serve you up a 404. Yeah, uh, they've. Uh, it's quite confusing. I mean, about a year ago, they started actually saying 404 Not Found. Do you maybe have to log in?
0: Yeah, to, to give because, you that clue that that's yeah. And yeah, I, but they, we've we've gone back and forth on that a million times in certain circumstances because we know the thing exists and we know that we want to give you the more correct error. But sometimes the more correct error is not the most appropriate as you're as you're describing here. So.
1: Yeah, another thing that uh, trips up many people is that sessions aren't available in controller constructor uh, constructors. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason for that we can get into soon, but the main idea is, if you want to get the current user, we haven't even touched on that. How do you mm-hmm. even get the current user? How do you yeah. interact Jeez. with the current user?
0: <laughs> Let's talk about that, Joseph. <laughs> 50, yeah. 59, 59 minutes in, or whatever. Yeah,
1: so... Uh, yeah, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know where to start. Uh, okay, so once you're logged in, how how do you log in? The, so the way you log in, you can you can either do it manually. The auth facade has an attempt method. Mm-hmm. Auth attempt, with that, lets you try to log in. You pass it into credentials that the user has sent you, and yeah. that's, that's how you log in. Once the user is logged in, now they're in the session, like we said before. Yeah. Um, happens to be you don't have to do all this manually because, like we said, we didn't even talk about presets. There's so much to talk about. How long are we going for?
0: Well, the good news is the presets is going to be an entirely separate episode. So we can just say there are presets. And if you do the presets with make off, which I think if you don't know what you're doing, just do that do a preset with make auth or, or dash, dash auth or whatever the, the most common, the current one is, you will get all of the authentication stuff built in. If you just spun up a new Laravel app and you're wondering all these things are, where these things are we're talking about, we're not implying you need to build it yourself. It's just an option you have to turn on, right? So let's just assume anybody we're talking to here has them has auth already created. Back okay, so
1: it. when you have auth already created, again, you can do it with, uh, Laravel has a package sort of, it's called laravel slash UI. Mm-hmm. And that also gives you all the UI endpoints for yeah. logging in for registering forgot password reset password it's insane what laravel ships yeah. with I and, mean, te- and basically- the templates
0: too right it's the, yes. it's the you know the routes the controllers the templates everything just a quick note since we recorded this podcast Laracon online happened taylor announced jetstream and laravel 8 and we will talk all about jetstream in the next episode with michael dorinda so don't worry about that we weren't talking about that when we recorded this but you'll get to it next week or two weeks from now
1: Yes. You can basically just all this boilerplate that every single app needs. You can yep. just focus on what your app does and you just off to the races. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so assuming you registered and assuming you logged in, what yep. now? So when you want to protect a route, there are many different ways to protect a route. Uh, one of them is through middleware. Do we know what
0: middleware is? Um, we have not, I'm looking at my watches. If it's going to tell me, I don't think we've done middleware <laughs> yet. Let, uh, No, I'll let you go because I bet you 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 have proven very effective at communicating things simply. Can you, can you tell us well, the 30-second, the five-second seconds five I second don't know if I'm up to that challenge. Okay, well, I did this <laughs> one in my book a couple times. So Middleware is basically um, classes where you could imagine, like, so in, in PHP, and again, we'll have a Middleware episode later, but in PHP, uh, in things like Laravel, you, when you get the request coming in from the browser, it creates a PHP class that kind of represents that request. It's called the request object. And it gets passed into your Laravel app, and then Laravel spits out a response object, which then is passed out to your browser, which is rendered into basically your HTML and your headers and stuff like that. But sometimes you want to kind of put like a wrapper, like that incoming request should, should kind of pass through like a little bit of a bubble that does something or checks something or validates something before you actually get in your application. Or it should pass through another bubble that maybe decorates something or whatever else on the way out of your application. And so it's kind of like a way to say, um, these are like, it's like the city walls a little bit, like, but you're not protecting, you're maybe checking or guarding, whatever. So anyway, as every request comes in, it kind of goes through your middlewares, all of them, you know, all both the deep built-in Laravel ones and also any custom ones you added, and then it hits the app. And then the app, which is like your routes and your controllers, whatever else, does its work. But then when you return something at the end, a view, a response, whatever else, it goes back through those same middlewares, but in the opposite order, before it actually goes out to the end. So middlewares are basically the way for you to do the most global things. Um, yeah, I think that's the best 30-second version I can give. So there's a middleware that has to do with auth. Oh, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Okay, yeah. So uh, you explained it very well in detail. In short, what I would say middleware is lets you hook into every request before it hits the yep. controller you can do whatever you want with it and yeah. when the record controller returns response you could also intercept it and do whatever you want
0: perfect much simpler. so
1: <laughs> yeah but <laughs> uh yeah but you explained it in more detail how it technically works Fair. so middleware is mid every every piece of middleware in laravel is a class and that mm-hmm. class can do something with the request. It gets handed a request and it returns a response. Mm -hmm. So authentication is a built-in Laravel middleware. If Mm -hmm. you assign that middleware to a route, we'll get to a minute how we do that, then the request is going to pass through that middleware before it even hits your controller. Mm -hmm. And it's going to check if the user is currently logged in. If the user is logged in, then it's just going to continue on its way and hit your controller like it always does. But if it doesn't, your controller is never going to be hit. So your controller doesn't even have to bother itself with authentication you can your controller can always assume that there's a user ready there to be used and the middleware is smart enough that it's not just going to return a 401 it's going to check if it's an AJAX request then it returns a 401 if it's not an AJAX request if it's a regular request then it's going to redirect the user to the login page and again all of this you get for free by sticking to conventions and using what larval ships with it's just easier trust me
0: Yeah, and if you if you're going to want to put that middleware in, you've probably seen it somewhere in the the basic code. But basically, you're going to wrap either you're going to add it to a single route, or more likely, you're going to wrap a whole bunch of groups with a route group, or a whole bunch of routes in your route group. And that route group is going to say something like you know middleware arrow auth or something like that. And that auth string a u t h is a shortcut that points to that class. Um, and it's bound in the HTTP kernel. But that shortcut passes to Laravel the in, in, the understanding that that particular route or that group of routes should all be basically wrapped with this middleware. And then if you're curious, you can go look up what does auth point to? Well, it, it points to the redirect if authenticated.php, right? And you can go look that up. And there's another one, there's guest as well, which is basically the inverse, right?
1: Yes, so yeah. guest ensures that the user is actually not logged in. So for example, right. if you have a login page, and I'm already logged in, and I somehow hit that page, you want to redirect me, I guess, to yep. the homepage or whatever, so you just can do if auth guessed, then yeah. just redirect there, and you're done. Yep. I just love these names. I don't know where Taylor yes. gets these names. Every As much as possible, all methods in Laravel usually a single word. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember back in the day when, uh, when Taylor released Laravel 4. We went from Laravel 3 to Laravel 4. Uh-huh. Uh, there were some breaking changes, not that many. One of the Changes was that we used to have uh, methods would be snake cased, not camel cased, just like functions are. Mm -hmm. Uh, But since we switched to PSR, which PSR is it? I don't know which one. The PSR it might have
0: been two, but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I don't remember now. But uh, one of the PSRs, uh, one of the PSRs that's about syntax, uh, says that basically it stipulates that functions on uh, standalone functions are snake cased, Mm -hmm. methods are all camel cased. Yep. So all methods in Laravel switched from snake case to camel case. Yep. You know how many breaking changes that mean? <laughs> Almost none. <laughs> yeah. Because all of the methods had single words, are yep. uh, single words and that's it. It's, yep. and to come up with single words that are intuitive and you uh-huh. look at it and you understand it, that that yeah. is super genius. I mean I th- I think that's Taylor's biggest power just yeah. writing good APIs, yeah. programmer APIs.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of his undersung powers as well. I think that like, yeah. you know, people can look at architecture decisions or whatever, and those things are all great, but it's the ability to to like you said, like not know what something does and look at the name and say, I, I understand what it does now.
1: Yeah. I think that's the second biggest power. His first biggest power is writing staggered comments.
3: <laughs>
0: that I don't even know if that's a power. That's like a that's an alien something. I don't even know what that is. Cause that's Do you want to quickly
1: else. say what that is? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so all comments in larvals uh, in larval court are three lines and each line is the length of each line is a, is three characters less than the line above it. Yep. And whenever you look at a class that has a bunch of comments, it's just visually pleasing. You look at yeah. it and there's this sort of, it's not even symmetry because it's not symmetrical, but it's, it's just, it's nice to look at. Yeah. I just had, I got that bug too. I mean, Taylor infected me and all of my code is coming like that. I'll never it. forgive him. You know how much time I've wasted on it? I don't know how long it takes him.
0: It's funny because <laughs> I, I, I just recently introduced kind of like a, a an old school PHP programmer to Laravel who super wasn't familiar with it. And he's just saying, you know, he had a certain complaints and I was like, oh, no, 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 those things that you don't like, you actually are absolutely going to love when I point how it actually works out to you. And I would show something to him. He'd go, oh, wow, that's exactly how I want it. Or that's really great. And one of the thing, I can't remember what it was, but he said something and I was like, oh, that complaint you have or that personality trait you have, whatever, you would love to see these comments. And so I just took him over and I showed him and I was like, just take a look at this. And he's like, this is freaking amazing. <laughs> he's just like, I had no idea this was here all along. So yeah, it's like one of those hidden secrets.
1: Yeah. So for example, if you uh, somebody hits a route and they're not authenticated, what's going to happen is they're going to be redirected to the login page. After mm-hmm. the login, you want to redirect them back to where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the redirect director class has a method with a single name that yep. returns them there. I wouldn't have come up with it, but it's yeah. called intended. Yeah. So, you could do return, redirect, intended, and that's where it ends up. And all of this happens automatically. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, it's freaking magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you had so reminded... Go ahead.
1: Uh, we're still getting to constructors. Yeah, exactly, yes. go ahead.
0: So So,
1: middleware... Middleware lets you add functionality that intercepts the request or the response. Mm-hmm. We're mainly talking about intercepting the request here, but it's it's it works with the same mechanism. Yeah. So if you want to, like you said, if you want to restrict access to a whole bunch of routes to users that are signed in, you do route, colon, colon, middleware, and you pass it a string of auth, which, like you said, is a shortcut registered in the HTTP kernel. And then within that group, all the routes in that group are going to be restricted to only logged in users. And if they're not logged in, they're going to be redirected back and forth, like I said before. Yeah. And the same goes for authorization. Mm-hmm. So authorization also has, there's a built-in middleware authorization called CAM, C-A-N. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it can, you can do it. So, uh, so if, if you're doing simple abilities such as edit settings then mm-hmm. it's quite simple what you do yeah. you do can colon and that's how you pa- in the string the way you pass middleware is you pass the name of the middleware as a string mm-hmm. and if you want to pass arguments to the middleware you pass it as part of that same string separated mm-hmm. by a colon mm-hmm. and then if you have multiple arguments each argument is separated by a comma but everything within that string so for example if you want to restrict the section to only users that can edit settings. And that was our original example, you would do middleware and pass it a string can colon edit dash settings. And yep. that would be the whole string. Yeah. What that would do is it would call the middleware with the string edit settings. And that would be the ability that is checked at the gate. Mm-hmm. So again, everything works together. Yeah. And if the user is not authorized to to Edit settings, they're just going to get a 403 response. Otherwise, they're just going to keep on going on the merry way. So that's the story for simple abilities. But then we have model abilities, and it gets a little trickier. Yeah. Uh, so before we can talk about model abilities, we should probably talk about route model binding. Have we covered that
0: ever? We haven't. <laughs> have we covered routes? Routes. I feel like we already did the routing one because I think that was Caleb. So I think we just didn't talk about it, totally missed it. So let's let's just do it here because it's not going to get covered somewhere else.
1: Okay, so let's just uh, go quickly. Exactly. If we have a route that's uh, post slash whatever the idea of that route is. Yeah, so 45. maybe be- 45, exactly. But 45 is a uh, variable. It's not static. Uh, mm-hmm. regular, if you want to see a list of posts, you go to slash posts. So mm-hmm. in your routes, you're going to have a string, route, colon, colon, get. Mm-hmm. And in get, you're going to have posts. And that mm-hmm. post routes you someplace. But what if you, if you want to get a specific post? That's going to be posts slash whatever post you're looking for. So that's going to be the ID. So Laravel has this syntax for a placeholder within that string. So you could do post slash curly brace, Mm -hmm. post, close brace. Mm -hmm. That post will then be uh, internally available to you within the controller method. You're going to be able to access that on the request. You're going to be able to get from the request, the parameters. That's going to be a parameter to the request. It's called post.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Now... By default, what's going to happen usually is that you're just going to get it off the request. But what do you want to do with that? Mm-hmm. It's an idea of a post. The ID itself doesn't serve you much. What yep. you want to do is probably look it up yep. in the database. So what you can do is you can accept a parameter called post mm-hmm. in your method. You type hint it with a post model. Mm-hmm. And Laravel automatically figures out that what you actually want is that specific post with yep. that specific ID. Yep. And if they're named the same, you could do that explicitly to wire them up, but implicit route model binding is if the name of that placeholder within the route matches the name of the argument that is being passed into your method, if the two match up, Mm -hmm. the Laravel is behind the scenes automatically going to fetch that record from the database and inject it into your method so that when you get that method, you can right away... Again, these are more and more steps that are just eliminated from you and you just get to focus on your app. You got your model instance
0: already. You don't have to look it up.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, not only that. What if the model isn't found? The model doesn't exist. You probably want to return a 404. Mm -hmm. That's already handled for you. Everything is handled for you.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, back in the day, I think it was Laravel 5.2, people were running into issues with this because they had their middleware bound and what happens is route model binding fetches the entity from the database mm-hmm. now people were doing some sort of uh authorization checks in there so people have let's say deep global query scopes mm-hmm. we covered that
0: um not yet nope query no, wait scopes? we Wasn't did that we, with... we did we covered them but we covered them pretty simply so yeah but remember... basically it's good
1: yeah basically it's a way to to tell eloquent that every time i fetch something from the database add certain constraints
0: and That's remember, so the- when Jonathan Renick was talking about the global query scopes, he said the local scopes are the ones where you actually modify it when you need it. So you can say posts arrow published or posts arrow unpublished. The global query scopes are one that are getting added every single time you request a list of posts, regardless of whether you've chained on that thing or not.
1: Yes. So when uh, so what people were doing is, that, for example, people wanted, like we said before. Example: m- Imagine you have a list of blog posts, and every blog post has an author ID. Now, when you fetch all of these uh, whenever you fetch a model from the database, people wanted to restrict it to where the author id is equals to the current user id right and how do you get the current user id you just do auth colon colon id that's simple right so what people were doing is they were adding a global scope that said where author id is equal mm-hmm. to auth id
2: right
1: and the problem with that was that Uh, in order to do that, you need a session to already be primed. You already Mm -hmm. need to know who the current user is before, and the route lives a little on top in the stack because the route is resolved first. Mm -hmm. So in Laravel 5.3, Taylor reworked the whole way, uh, the middleware are stacked. So what happens now is that authorization... Uh, is not available the the session is not available within the controller controller constructor people were doing auth ID within the controller constructor also mm-hmm. and that's no longer available so uh, what was added is you can now do middleware directly within the controller constructor. So mm-hmm. instead of if you need the current user and you want to do authorization instead of doing authorization yourself within the controller constructor you can do this authorize. Yep. Or the best thing even is you could do this authorized resource where you authorize a full resource. A resource controller has Mm. seven methods. Store, create, view, update, delete, all of these methods. Mm -hmm. You could do this arrow, authorized resource, and Mm -hmm. you pass it the just a model, uh, the string of a uh, a model. Either you do the model colon colon class or you pass Mm -hmm. it to the the whole namespace. Mm -hmm. And then behind the scenes, whenever Laravel tries to route any... Any route to any of these methods, it is automatically going to run the authorization beforehand, and again, it's going to return a four or three if it's not there. Yeah. So yeah, it was a little tangent, and maybe it was more detail than was necessary, but uh, still good. <laughs> that's a history. Yeah. yeah. So so back to the so you, so you can either do can if you do the can in the in the if you do the middleware on the routes and you do can and you pass can first you pass it the name of the of the ability and then you can also pass it either For example, if you want to do can create post, you would do can create, comma, app slash post. Mm -hmm. And that means you want to know the second parameter that you're passing to the camera is the type of the model. Mm -hmm. So that would check if they can create posts in general. How would you do that if you want to know whether they can update a given post? So what you do is what you pass as the second parameter to the can middleware is actually the name of the placeholder in the route. This mm-hmm. is magic, but it yeah, all gets wired magic. up together. Yeah. So you have a route called posts slash open curly, post, close curly. So post yep. is now the placeholder for the ID, but not for the ID. Because we're using implicit route model binding, that ID is going to be replaced with the actual post. Yep. So when you're doing later on can, colon, update, comma, post, -hmm. Instead of passing and instead of using the post, the the middleware is going to get the actual post Mm -hmm. entity, the actual post model from the request, and it's going to attempt to authorize it against that. Yep. If that's not magic, I don't know what is.
0: (laughs) And so if anyone didn't totally follow, if you were to create a middleware on a route, or if you were to apply a middleware in a route, and that middleware said can colon edit comma, and then the name of a placeholder that was in that route definition. So again, if the route definition was slash posts, slash curly brace post and curly brace, then now you have that word post as your placeholder. You can then say can colon edit comma post. And the gate is going to be checked by that middleware. So the middleware is going to go to the gate and say can current user edit, comma, and then the post that basically would come from taking the ID that came in from the URL and then looking up a find or fail for that particular post. And then it passes it into the gate for you. And if that fails, then you end up getting uh, a a 403 returned. So like all that work that seems very natural and normal to do all the time, you don't even have to do. And that's that's, that's why we're just sitting here doing a little like happy dance with this thing is because it's just more stuff that you always probably will want to do as you're thinking about this that you no longer have to do.
1: So let's talk about more things that just come for free and we don't have to do. Uh, rate limiting, throttling. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're worried about security, one of the things you want to make sure is that your login route is protected by rate limiting. You don't want people trying usernames and passwords all night until they find something. Yeah. They're probably not going to do it by hand, but if they keep going, they might find, by luck, somebody's username and password. Yeah. So throttling or rate limiting means that you only allow uh, a given amount of requests, let's say, per minute. Mm-hmm. from any IP address. Now, this can get quite tricky and you have to figure out on a rolling basis how many times they've already tried and you have to find a place in the cache to store. All of this is handled automatically for you by Laravel. If you mm-hmm. use the, the scaffolding and you have a login controller, that is automatically going to do the rate limiting for you and you don't have to worry about that.
0: Yeah. Which is amazing. And, and if you do end up needing that kind of um, rate limiting, those tools are available for you to use somewhere else. Like you can pull Laravel's rate limiter and rate limit someone else. But again, if you use the scaffold, you just get the rate limiting for free. You just, you don't even have to think about it.
1: Yeah. Everything in Laravel is built on layers. You Mm -hmm. have the small building blocks that are available to you if you want to use them. Then there's multiple layers on top of that that simplify it more and more and more. Mm -hmm. until you get to the top where, as they say, Laravel is uh, an application that comes with the batteries included. Mm -hmm. Everything works out of the box as you start using it more and you have more complex needs, you can tweak it and change it according to your needs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um,
1: Another thing recently added was um, password confirmation. You mm -hmm. know how sometimes, even if you're already logged in and you want to do something dangerous, for example, uh, I think... GitHub, again, uses it if you delete a repository or maybe if you added billing or
0: They definitely that, use it if you add like add users to your account and stuff like that, like paid users. So yeah, that, that would yeah. be editing billing, yeah.
1: Or some, yeah. So if somebody does, does something either very constru- destructive or mm-hmm. something very sensitive, you mm-hmm. might want to make sure they didn't just log into some kiosk and walked away and somebody else is trying to do something. Yeah. You want to once again make sure that it's actually the person that ar- originally logged in. So Laravel added uh, password confirmation.
3: Mm-hmm
1: middleware lately where if you do that it's going to ask the user to to log in again. It's going to give you the password and I think it the default it's like three hours, I think. Mm-hmm. And for three hours, it's not gonna ask it again. But that is another layer of security that you can get and to handle this by hand, all of this together it would take you yeah. years.
0: Yeah, and then of course you also get password resets and you also get password or email confirmation when you first sign up. And yeah. I'm sure there's a million other things oh, you can Oh, and get, logging
1: like out other devices, which is also I think mm-hmm. a recent addition. You can log, yeah. if, you, if people are logged into multiple devices and yep. they, they wanna log out, so you can log them out from all other devices. That is also yeah. amazing
0: yeah yeah there's just yeah as people who have had to write this from hand before by hand before back in the code igniter days and other days like we can recognize just how incredible this stuff is and it just keeps growing
1: yeah, I just love when each each new release of Laravel, I can rip out a bunch of my custom yeah. code and just replace it with whatever comes with the framework. That's like the best
0: feeling. I totally agree, and that should be a goal for all of us. Just so you all know, I, I sometimes I have to I think share with people just the value of doing things the Laravel way because not only is that no longer code that you have to maintain or you have to be the responsible for being the expert in, like you were talking about, but it's also code that will likely work better together with future things that are released. And if the more the Laravel authorization system and authentication system you're using, the more likely that a new cool feature will come out and you could just get it for free right and the more you're doing your own stuff the more you will have to rewrite that thing for free later if you you want to so
1: yeah the ultimate goal is not to be writing any code whatsoever
0: yes exactly (laughs) just let the robots do it all and kick back and herd sheep or whatever it's going to be so um. Okay, so since we're coming short on time, we haven't, we haven't covered everything. But there's one thing I realized we hadn't covered, which is how do you get the currently logged in user or the guest or like the auth methods and the auth facade and stuff like that. So what are kind of like the most important things that you use day to day on either the global auth helper or the auth facade?
1: So the auth helper and the auth facade both point to the same thing. Mm-hmm. You either do auth, open parenthesis, colon parenthesis, or you do capital A auth, colon, colon but then you have to make sure to either import it or yeah. namespace it. Uh, and then you can get, either you can do colon colon user, which gives you the currently logged in user. Mm-hmm. You can do check, which is mm-hmm. going to give you a boolean of whether a user is logged in or not. Yep. You can do guest to know the, the inverse the opposite, of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, or you can do id. Sometimes if you want the user id, if you're going to do auth arrow user arrow id, if nobody's logged in and the user actually returns null, that's going to throw yeah. an error. So there's a small shortcut. You can do auth ID, which gives you back the ID directly, and then you could use that however you want. Yep. But honestly, I don't interact with that so frequently because these yep. are all, like we said before, all the wiring is in place to handle that for you. Yeah. You just set up your middleware. You just set up everything you need, and that's it. Yep. Maybe I use it sometimes in some global uh, in global query scopes where, when people create uh, models, I want to know who created them. Mm-hmm. So I, I have some sort of global middleware, or even maybe a creating event. Mm-hmm. The you know how you can do in, events in Laravel when a, in eloquent when you create a new model. You can set additional the attributes yeah. onto it, yeah. So then mm-hmm. you attach the author, but yeah. besides for that, I don't really find myself interacting with these directly that much because, like I said, everything is wired up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, occasionally I do like if, if there's like a like a settings page. You know, sometimes I will directly modify the results of their saving the settings page on the auth user object itself. So you could do auth user update, pass an array of parameters, and then that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of day-to-day authentication and authorization things, you shouldn't really have to because those things are all hidden behind at can or whatever. You know, all those very convenient things. If you do have the user, it is very nice to be able to say user arrow can or user arrow uh can or whatever, just because it's a really nicely fluent syntax for that. Um, but again, like that's not the primary way that we end up using authorization anyway. So, yep. Um, okay. So, I mean, I think there's a lot, but usually this is the point where I say, "Is there anything else you'd really like to talk about in this topic?" So that's actually a perfect transition to, "Are there any other really important aspects of this?" Obviously, you and I could talk for three more hours right here, not only because we're enjoying ourselves, but there's so much more to cover here. But if knowing that we have a limited amount of time. Um, is there anything else just really key that we've missed?
1: I don't know about key, but we, we haven't touched on Socialite, which I think is. Yeah, to use what, a lot. You, do you? want
0: to give a quick intro to Socialite?
1: Yes. So, uh, one, of the, one of the methods of authentication is called OAuth. Mm-hmm. OAuth is a mechanism of using a third party uh, ACL for your own app. And what that means is basically if you go online, you always see these sign in with Google, sign in with mm-hmm. Facebook, now sign in with Apple or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the way that works is that instead of keeping a password in your own app, you mm-hmm. like export that to a third party. Yeah. So let's just take Google for an ex- for example. If you want to let people log into you with Google, what mm-hmm. you need to do is you go to Google, you register as a developer, and they give you a set of keys. And without getting into it, it's trust me, all it is very it's complicated. If you, <laughs> yeah. 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 If, If you thought authentication is complicated, (laughs) let's talk about OAuth. So you do not want to do this by hand. So Socialite is, uh, again, a first-party library that you can install into your Laravel application. And that's gonna let you do all these sign in with Facebook, sign in with GitHub, sign in with whatever. I mm-hmm. think it comes with like five or six providers. And there's a community project that adds like another, I don't know, it's a couple like, million, I think. Uh, last count. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's definitely hundreds. So
1: yeah. So that's that's a great tool if you wanna use some of these tools.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it 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 is extremely complicated to do. I've done it before by hand or with the packages this this is based on. And it's exhausting. And I, I, I'm so glad you brought this all, only because it is such a freaking superpower. And you, you keep pointing out these things that it's just like it should be this easy. Socialite is very high on that list. The, the, the simplicity Socialite and Passport. Passport allows you to um, create your own OAuth server on your own. Right. So SocialAid allows you to add authentication through somebody else's OAuth server to your app. And then, you know, and Passport allows you to create your own OAuth. And both of those are exhausting processes to code on your own. And with Passport and SocialAid, it's just so, so, so simple. So, yeah. Good call. We can also else? mention okay. Spark. Yeah. So, Social
1: everything we spoke about now, like free first part, I mean, everything is free here. Mm-hmm. How come? <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have nice Laravel. Guy. That's all I we got. Have a-
1: We have Sanctum, we have Socialite. All these tools are free, but obviously uh, some things are paid. So Spark is also a first-party package, but it's Mm -hmm. a paid package. Well worth it. And Spark is like... If we spoke about Laravel UI and auth scaffolding and the UI for the auth, Mm -hmm. Spark is like the next level of that. It doesn't Mm -hmm. just do auth, it it does user management, uh, subscriptions, teams, everything you need. If you're building a SaaS Mm -hmm. where you have many people that are buying stuff, that are buying services from you on a month to month basis, Mm -hmm. and they have teams and you want to handle that, Spark is like the best thing ever. You install it and it takes care of everything. It takes care of subscriptions, canceling subscriptions, changing plans, everything you could think of for SaaS. Again, the boilerplate gets out of the way, so you just write the code that pertains to your specific app and the value that you produce.
0: Yep. Yeah, I I, I love that. Spark is especially good for independent creators who care less about making sure that their admin dashboards look a certain way and more about just allowing people to use the admin dashboard. And by dashboard, I don't mean like Nova. It's more like the, can I edit my account? Can I create a team and you know pay for my team while I'm in there? All that stuff comes for free. And of course, at that point, you're getting into a little bit more opinionated, right? Because they're actually defining the templates for those things and how team billing works and all that kind of stuff. So it's not as if Spark is for everybody because there's some people who say, well, it must work this way, team management, dashboard or whatever. Okay, then Spark might not be for you, but there's a lot of people who want to create a software as a service and again, don't. Don't want to waste all their time learning how to be the the ten millionth software as a service to learn how to handle team billing, right? If that's you, Spark is for you. Like, get Spark, set it up with Spark. You know, like, be willing to understand the fact that the Spark has more opinions than Laravel does because it's going further, right? So it has to be a little bit more opinionated. But if you can go in and say, look just in order to launch, I'm going to work with Spark's opinions. And if I need to tweak them later, I will. Cool. But like, it's going to get you up and running so, so, so fast. The caveat there is if you and your whole team already know exactly how you want it all to work, you know exactly your tech stack and it's going to be React or you know exactly how those backend panels are going to work. Sometimes Spark might, Spark might feel a little heavy for you. So Spark is not a global recommendation, but it is, is an extremely powerful tool, at least for me. It's an extremely powerful tool for the people who need it.
1: Yep. Yeah. Couldn't have put it better myself.
0: <laughs> love it. All right. So is there anything else we should talk on before we start wrapping it up this time? No, I think we covered all the basics. I love it. And and then some. Yeah. So if, if somebody wants to learn more about authentication authorization, whether in Laravel or as a broader topic, do you have any particular articles or tutorials or resources that you'd recommend for them?
1: Yeah. So you ask this of all your guests yep. and more or less they're all giving you the <laughs> same say answer because the and, Laravel documentation
0: the yep. are,
1: is n- unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of effort that goes into that. I mean, yeah. there are so many uh, open source projects out there that have amazing code and amazing mm-hmm. functionality, but nobody uses them because they don't know how to. Mm-hmm. And the Laravel documentation is really next level. Yeah, I agree. And add on to that Laracast and uh, yeah.
0: You're pretty good to go. So
1: between, between the Laravel documentation and Laracasts, I, I don't think you need anything else. Yeah,
0: I'm with you on that one for sure. All right. So personal fun moment. So we had a chat a little bit before. I'm just going to be honest with everybody. And I said, Joseph, you know what? I've known of you for so long, but I don't know you really deeply. And I was trying to kind of learn some interesting things about uh, Joseph when we were talking. And he just kept being super. He's like, oh, I don't know. This is interesting. I don't know if anybody cares. But one of the things that he shared with me is that he comes from an orthodox, ultra-orthodox community. And I said, well, I don't know anything about that. And I, t- I told him I know the, the very boundaries and the very edges. And just the fascinatingness of how little I know about, you know, your life in your community and stuff like that could fill multiple podcasts. So I was like, how can I winnow it down to one question, one final question. And you mentioned that you play clarinet and I would love to hear like what the sort of music that you're playing is. And so my question for you is if somebody was interested in hearing the type of music that is played in your community, where would they go about even getting a chance to hear that? So, uh,
1: ultra orthodox Jewish music, uh, sometimes called Hasidic music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll maybe give you the spelling for that later and you can put it in the show notes. I know this one. Oh, you do?
0: H A S <laughs> I D I C, right? Yes, there you go. All right. And is ultra orthodox the same as Hasidic or not?
1: Uh, no, but most okay. Hasidic people are ultra orthodox. Got it. Okay, cool. So, uh, what's called Hasidic music, you can search for that on YouTube, you can search for that on iTunes, and in awesome. U- uh, you, uh, Spotify. You can find that anywhere you want. Uh, I can give you some names of some popular artists. I was just going to say, if you
0: give me some names of popular artists afterwards, I'll put them all in the show notes for everybody. Okay.
1: Okay. Sure. That sounds exciting. And I'll also,
0: one thing I could ask you from right now for the people who don't want to go to the show notes later, could you tell me like your, maybe not your favorite song ever, but if you just wanted to introduce someone into like one of your your favorites or one of the most well-known or one of the most representative songs from this kind of Hasidic music, what would it be?
1: Um, that's a tough one. I have so many good ones, but, yeah. uh, the audience is not familiar with any of them. Uh, <laughs> if I have to pick one, it's like a really old one. Uh, it's called in Hasidic, uh, pronunciation. It's called Mizmoil LeDovid, mm-hmm. And that is Psalm... I don't know which number psalm it is, mm-hmm. but uh, it was popularized by George Bush after 9/11. He said, "For though I walk in the valley of death, mm-hmm. maybe you know which uh, which number that is. I it. should I'm look it up. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll look should.
0: it up again. Get, yeah, yeah, but it's
1: it's it's sung in its original Hebrew words." Hmm. And it's a beautiful song. You know, maybe I'll play it on my clarinet. I'll give it to you to play here. Oh my
0: goodness! If he sends me this clarinet audio, y'all, I am gonna put it. It's gonna be after the outro music. I'm actually gonna put it right in the podcast, and I'm gonna wait for. I'm gonna wait to release this until you see if it. But if not, if you don't have it by then, I will link it in the show notes. So y'all definitely check the show notes of this one yeah, for but I, sure. I
1: have to warn you, warn you. I'm an amateur. I'm no pro. Yeah. I just you play said for yeah. myself. But the yet. fact that
0: you're willing to play for us and release us is a, is just a huge. Just myself, so no one else. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, Psalm twenty-three, four is where it is. So, oh, and I, I okay. definitely, am, I'm terrible yeah. with numbers and all that kind of stuff so
1: yeah so whatever your belief system is uh everybody can just yeah connect with that psalm now because uh, you know i don't want to get too much into COVID now but uh, it's a challenging time and yeah uh yeah we all feel the way we feel and we're looking for a path out and we'll get there
0: yeah and we're looking for community and support and wisdom and and, you know there's a lot that can be Brought from that when we look at what people have been talking about for hundreds and thousands of years. Yeah, so, I guess you're looking
1: at it. Maybe you can read two passages of it.
0: Yeah, man, let's do that. Um, right so, now. Psalm 23 4. I, I'm actually, I mean, the main one that pr- people primarily are going to use. Hold on, I know that the New Living is often more readable. Is there a living here? New Living. Uh, so, this is the least, it's actually a little bit less popularized this way, but I think New Living is often more readable. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me in cup comfort me and you may have heard though i walk through the valley of death i will i shall fear no evil i will feel no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me that's the king james um no king james is yay though i walk through the valley of shadow death but regardless the truth is there and i think that what i really appreciate you saying there is just the idea that regardless of whether or not you, the rod and the staff you know whatever uh Allah, anything like that like or, or people don't have a particular religious belief. Like I've been talking with my kids about, you know, religious beliefs recently, and they just ask, well, what's true? And one of the things that's been really helpful for us is saying, well, you know, Daddy might think this, or Mommy might think this, or you know, some of your friends might think this. Um, and what we don't say is like nobody knows or whatever, because you know, some people think they know, right? But what we say is, here are some shared experiences, here are some shared comforts that we have, here are some shared hopes that we have, or something like that. And I think that's been really helpful for them not knowing like they don't they want us to just tell us what the answers are about faith right and for my family at least in particular we say here's what we've got but here are the things we can hope in and here's the things that we can find comfort in and so I, I appreciate you kind of specifically sharing this one because like you said like this is a tough time and you may not feel the same as other people who are listening to this podcast religiously or whatever but like you may still find comfort and and I hope you find comfort and I know that Joseph does which is why he brought this up so comfort and peace so thank you and I'm really excited to listen to this song too because I'm hoping it also will bring me and other people comfort and peace so okay yeah hope so thank Man, you I appreciate you um okay so um how can people follow you, you you know, what, what kind of stuff are you up to? Is, it, is Twitter the best way to follow you or wh- is there anything else?
1: So I don't really have that much of an online presence besides mm-hmm. for actual code. <laughs> yeah. So GitHub uh, slash GitHub. Joseph.
0: What yeah. is it? Unders- Joseph act- underscore Silver?
1: So on on Twitter, it's Joseph underscore Silver because that's the only one that was available. On GitHub, yeah. it's actually just Joseph Silver. Okay, but no but that's sure. yeah. B with as in Bravo, not yep. V as in Victor.
0: B as in Bravo, E-R. Yes.
1: So... You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can read my blog post that I never – my blog that I never update. I actually just had a <laughs> I was say, there's,
0: there's a recent one. So Yeah,
1: there's a recent one on Lazy Collections. Uh, yeah. You should check it out. I think it's a good one. I yeah, it is. I spent a lot of time perfecting it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really update it that frequently. So it's basically Twitter and my blog, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I will make sure those are all um, linked to the show notes. Uh, I will make sure that all the stuff, uh, the music that you recommend, everything like that, we'll get that in the show notes as well. And, of course, links to all the topics we talked about will be in there. So, Joseph, thank you so much, man. This was an incredible pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I really think that everyone learned, including me, from what you had to share. And, of course, we're all benefiting from some of the code you've written. So thank you for your service to us. Thank you for joining me here today. And I just really appreciate you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right. See you all next time.